You can turn your Bibles this evening to Romans uh, chapter 3. We're going to be looking at verse 21 through 26. Romans chapter 3, verse 21 through 26. So, we've read this evening the story of the arrest of Jesus and the crucifixion and the burial of Jesus. And we've been on this series about giving a reason for the hope that we have. And we read this story about the crucifixion, and many of you have been following Jesus for a, for a long time, and, and you know this story, and, and you know what it's all about. But it's always helpful, I find, to remind myself and constantly go back here and to root myself in the truths of our faith. And so as we work through these things tonight, um, I I'm hoping that we're all edified and built up by it, that we're all reminded of what God's heart is for us. But also, as we work through this, just like every other piece of this series, is this isn't just for us, but it's also a, a way to think through how we might be able to explain it to someone else. So maybe you have, have loved ones or, or co-workers or, or people that you care about who, who need to hear of the good news of Jesus and maybe you're not going to explain it the way that I would explain it, but as we read these scriptures, allow God to refresh your memory and allow God to bring people to mind uh, that you um, might be able to pray for them and look for opportunities to explain what this weekend is all about as we talk about the crucifixion and then on Sunday, the resurrection of Jesus. We're asking the question this evening, well, why is it that Jesus died. The last few weeks we've been wrestling with the problem of evil, and we see that there's so much suffering in the world, and a lot of it is brought about by people's wrong choices, their wrong actions, their, their hateful words. And as we examine that question, we, we saw that God is a God of justice, and, and that ultimately that evil is going to be judged, and that we all stand guilty before God. And I, I, don't, I don't know about you, but whenever I do something wrong, like there's this automatic kind of response in me that wants to like make it right. And not just make it right with the other person, but I want to make it right so that I feel better. Like when I do something wrong, I, I feel guilty. I, um, you know, the, the Holy Spirit is, is quick to uh, convict us. And so like I want to atone for my sin in some way and I want to make me okay in my eyes and in other people's eyes, and, and maybe God's eyes. But see, my tendency when I start to realize, like, I want to make myself okay before God, um, I start to realize that I, I have trouble doing that. And so I'm tempted to do a couple of things that maybe aren't God's way of doing things. Sometimes I'm tempted to minimize my sin. Like, oh, my, like, I feel bad about it, but I don't want to feel bad about it. I want to get rid of the guilt. I want to cleanse my conscience. So I might have a tendency to minimize what I've done. Oh, it's not that big of a deal. It wasn't that bad, and I can downplay my sin. On the other side of things, I might be tempted to like work really hard and show other people and show God how good I can be to show that, hey, that was a sin, but it was just a one-time thing. And um, you know, I'm really a, a good person. And, and both of those things fall short of the righteousness that God has for us. I have a tendency to want to try to atone for my own sin, but I can't. And the good news of the gospel is 
that God's righteousness is available to us through faith in Jesus. And that's what we're going to look at this evening. So it says here in Romans chapter 3, verse 21, that it says, But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and, are, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate His righteousness because in His forbearance, He had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate His righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. So we're looking at just a few short verses, but there's so much packed into these verses. And we want to dive into this tonight as we look at the righteousness of God revealed. And we read in verse 21 that there's a righteousness that is apart from the law. We, if you remember from this past Sunday where we read the, the beginning of chapter 3, that um, we all stand guilty before God, that we're all going to give an account to Him, that we're, or we're all liable to punishment because we have all sinned. And so in verse 21, it's just reminding us that we can't be righteous in regard to the law because we are guilty as lawbreakers. But there's hope. God reveals a righteousness that is apart from the law, that, is, that doesn't have to do with doing the righteous works of the law. He says it's, um, it's not through being good as if we could earn it, because we can't. So God makes His righteousness, His goodness, His justice available to us in another way. And this isn't some new scheme that just came out of nowhere when Jesus showed up on the scene. Um, the law and the prophets had been pointing to this righteousness of God that is by faith all along. And as you read through the Old Testament, you'll find picture after picture of what Christ is going to do on the cross and how God is going to reveal His righteousness. And so in verse 22, it says that this righteousness is offered to us. The righteousness of God is made available through faith in Jesus to all who believe. And remember, in this whole series, we've talked about faith. And faith is not about a blind leap in the dark believing in something for which there's no evidence. We've consistently said that the Bible defines faith as a trusting personal relationship, that someone is making a promise, God is making a promise to us, and we are trusting Him that He will do what He says He's going to do, right? So this trusting relationship with Jesus, and He says, this, this righteousness, this, this right standing that I long for with God when I recognize my sin, I, I want to be put right before Him. I realize I can't do it. This right standing is available from God, and it comes through trusting in Him, and that there's no difference. It doesn't matter your background. And in, in the context here, um, we had been looking at the, the relationship of with God that the Jews had, and also the relationship with God that the Gentiles had. And Paul's making this, um, this statement, hey, it doesn't matter what your background is, it doesn't matter what your status is, what your religious background is, this righteousness comes through faith for everyone. And in verse 23, he reminds us that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And basically, that means that, that everyone has committed evil that we've all done wrong things and we are missing out 
on God's glory. We're, we're, we're just falling short of it. And the hope is, even though we've sinned, that there is justification that is freely available by God's grace. It says that all are justified freely by His grace. And this, the word justified is, is kind of an odd word. It's a, a theological word that we don't maybe use in everyday language. But justified, is, it's, it's basically the same idea as righteousness, right? It's, uh, they, um, the word that's translated righteousness and the word that's translated uh, just, justified or, or justice in, in the Scripture is, is very often the same word. And the, the idea is that you're put right before God, that you have right standing before God. So, so all have sinned and fallen short, but all can be justified, and it's a free gift. It's by God's grace, which means His, his favor. And, and before Him, we can be declared righteous. The question is, how? And the answer comes, it's offered through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. All are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Jesus. And this idea of redemption is about the paying of a price. Basically, we were in bondage. And Jesus comes along and pays our debt and sets us free from sin and death. And in verse 25, Paul kind of explains how all this plays out with the idea of God's justice as the backdrop, with the idea of God's love and righteousness as the backdrop. He, he says this in verse 25, that, that God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood to be received by faith. Now, as we look at this, this, this word, sacrifice of atonement, in the original language, is all one word. And sometimes, it, in, in older translations, it's translated propitiation. Again, another word that we don't use very often. And propitiation simply means that um, wrath has been satisfied. So we might uh, read this verse a different way, that God presented Christ as propitiation for our sin. Remember, when we talked about wrath this past Sunday, this, this idea of judgment, we're not comfortable with this, this idea of, of wrath. But this isn't human anger that often flies off the handle and goes out of control or anything like that. We, we all can recognize righteous anger. Like we see a situation that's wrong and we say, that, that's got to stop. Something's got to be done about that. And we're, we're angry about it in a righteous way. And we have to make sure that we don't cross the line into sin in those areas. But God is always righteous. God is always just. And his anger is justified. It, it's, it's righteous anger. He's saying something is not right and something needs to be done about that. Our sin, the evil that we do. And so Jesus comes as a sacrifice. We read this past weekend that the wrath of God is being revealed against all evil, that God's righteous decree is that those who do evil deserve death. And so Jesus comes, God presents Christ as a sacrifice through the shedding of his blood. In other words, we deserve death and Jesus stands in our place. We are guilty and worthy of the death penalty and Jesus stands in that place. He dies in our place and he suffers the punishment that we deserve. Okay, so what is God doing in all of this? 
Well, God has two purposes here. God is trying to show his righteousness in two different ways, and we see those in verse 26, okay? God is trying to show his righteousness, his moral goodness, and that includes his love and justice. So, he says here that God wants to show his justice. It says that there were sins that had, committed, that had been committed beforehand that God had left unpunished. And the idea of justice is that um, we are given what is our due, right? So, so goodness is rewarded and, and, and evil is punished. And so there, there was evil that had been done that had been left unpunished. And what is he talking about there? Well, the, the, the writer of, Hebrew tells, of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, tells us that um, the blood of bulls and goats could not clear the conscience of the worshiper. In other words, all the sacrifices of the Old Testament, the, those sacrifices weren't going to be able to atone for the sin of humanity. They pointed to the seriousness of our sin, that there was a death penalty that we deserved. They highlighted that. And they also pointed to the need for the sacrifice of Jesus But all along, basically, God was passing over those sins. He was letting them pass by and letting them go unpunished. He was giving the people a a vivid picture of of the problem of sin, but he was letting them pass by. And ultimately, those are paid for by Jesus' death. And so God is seeking to show his righteousness. In the first way, it says that so that he would be just, he would show himself just. And we can ask this question, like, how? How does this show that God is just? Well, if you'll remember, we said that God is just in His very nature. He, he gives what we deserve. He, he allots a person their due. And so, justice demands punishment for sin. And we talked about if there had been a judge um, and a person was guilty of a sin and the judges said, okay, no big deal, Uh, that crime, we can just overlook it, we can just ignore it, we would say that was not justice. That God can't simply overlook sin. He can't simply turn a blind eye to it. And so Christ, he suffered the punishment, that is death, for our sin. Now very often, you'll get into conversations with people and they'll say, why can't God, he's God, he can just forgive sin. And there are different metaphors that we see in the Bible for sin, and uh, theologians talk about different ways that we can look at sin, and they're all helpful, but we tend to ignore one of them, all right? So the first one would be something like a debt, like sin is a debt that we owe. We, we, there's a price that needs to be paid, right? You might look at sin as, say, a personal offense, like in terms of a relationship with someone, someone wrongs the other one, and there's this offense, and... Um, that can be forgiven or overlooked. But, but the third thing that, that we need to understand about sin is basically it's, it's pictured as, as a crime, the breaking of a law that demands justice. And if you just focus on the first two, if you just focus on the debt and a personal offense, well, we can imagine someone owing me money and me just going, oh, it's no big deal. You don't owe me that 20 bucks. Just forget about it, right? Or we can imagine someone doing something that's really painful and hurtful in a relationship and me coming to a place and saying, you know, just 
we'll, we'll let that go. I'm, I'm going to forgive you. God tells me to forgive. I'm forgiving, and we just let it go, right? So why can't God just do that with sin? And that's ignoring the other idea of sin, which is the breaking of a law that demands justice. And so God is in this place where he wants to redeem us. We're sinners, but justice demands punishment. He can't just say, no big deal, we'll let it go. And so he steps into the gap for us. Our sin, the Bible says, was credited to Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that, we, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So God himself, the second person of the Trinity, Jesus, the Word, took on flesh. He became the God-man. He became the, the mediator between God and humanity. And he voluntarily bore the penalty for our sin. It's not some random guy that God pulls off the street, not like some random innocent dudes, like you're going to die for all of humanity. That, that, that would not have been possible because we all sin. Christ, Christ was, was sinless, and he voluntarily stands in our place as our representative before God. And the wrath of God was poured out on him. And so Jesus is able to suffer the penalty of our sin because he himself was without sin. He lived a perfect, sinless life. He was the spotless Lamb of God. And he's able to bear the sin of all of humanity because He's God in the flesh, and his sacrifice was of infinite value. Plenty to cover all of the sins of all mankind. He pays a debt that no one else can pay. And he pays it for my sin and your sin and every sin that can be committed. As God, he has the prerogative to step in and pay that debt. And so God... In pouring out that penalty and bearing that penalty on himself shows that he is just, that sin will be punished. He pays it himself. And the second part of God's righteousness that's shown here, and this is, this is, the, this is awesome, it says that, that he is just and he is the one who justifies those who have faith in him. In other words, God justifies sinners, those who commit evil, you and me. He justifies through faith. He puts us in right standing before him. That verse that we just read, we're going to repeat it again. We're going to catch the end of it this time. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. And look at the result. So that we might become the righteousness of God. And what that means is the righteousness of Christ is credited to those who trust in him. If you've put your faith in him, the, our, our sin was credited to Christ's account. And he bore the price for it. And then God looks at us and he says, all that righteousness of Christ, I'm putting that in your account. This is good news because I can't pay that debt. But God looks at me and says, you're more than just innocent. You have the good standing of Jesus Christ if you put your trust in him. And they're declared righteous before God, not because of their own righteousness, 
but on the basis of what Christ has done. And that Christ's righteousness is received by faith. It's through trusting in his sacrifice that we identify with him and receive that righteousness. Christ's, penalty, uh, Christ's sacrifice and the bearing of the penalty allows God to offer us a pardon. There's this interesting uh, thing in our legal system when the president issues a pardon or when a governor issues a pardon. That pardon is not immediately effective. That pardon has to be accepted by the person who is being pardoned. Do you know that they can refuse it? No, I'd rather sit here and rot in jail than be pardoned by you. I mean, I don't know why you'd do that, but they can refuse it, right? And this is the state that we have with Christ. Uh, God is offering us a pardon, and it must be accepted by faith. If not, his sacrifice is not effective for us. So, as we look at ourselves, and we recognize our sinfulness, we recognize that we're not perfectly righteous, we're not perfectly good, we're not perfectly just, we can fall back on the righteousness of God that is revealed in both His love and His justice. That God offers us righteousness through faith in Christ. That Jesus paid the penalty for our wrongdoing and the demands of God's justice are met. And in Jesus and through faith in Him, we can be declared righteous in His sight. We are put right with God. Our sins are forgiven. We are cleansed from all unrighteousness. And we are reconciled to God. At once we were at odds with Him. At once we were enemies. But we are brought into fellowship with Him so that we can have new life in His name. This is the hope that we have this evening. And this is the meaning of the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross for us. So we're going to spend some time in worship and just thanking God for what he's done. We're going to take communion together in just a moment, but I invite you to pray with me as we turn our eyes to the Lord and thank him for paying the price for us. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful that you loved us. God, we're reminded that Jesus, the Lamb of God, was slain before the foundations of the world. That before you created us, you knew that we would reject you. And yet you made a plan to rescue us anyway. So Lord Jesus, we thank you for paying the price for us. So that we could have your righteousness. And God, I, I'm thankful that that gift of righteousness is not dependent upon how we feel in any moment. Whether we're down or down on ourselves or whether we're feeling great about ourselves or whatever the case is, Lord. We thank you that we don't have to do it on our own, but you offer it to us freely by your grace. And tonight, as your people, as your beloved, we want to receive that gift. We want to worship you in gratitude for all that you've done. We pray that you would be glorified in us this evening in Jesus' name. Amen.